Okay, everyone. I guess I say good morning at 1 a.m. if I'm giving a class. <laughs> I guess uh, we're living in interesting times, so classes are being held in interesting times. If anybody wants to sponsor this class, it's available. Um, for dedication, let me know. After you can collect the credit, post the class. Unless somehow you can reach me now before I give the class and still grab it before. It's always a merit to spread Torah, and uh, especially in such crucial times for the world and for the Jewish people. So, um, hold on, let me just make sure I don't hear an echo. Okay, so we're ready to go. Um, this week is Parsha Zabo, and uh, the week of the Exodus, the going out of Egypt. And there's so many things to talk about, especially since we're talking so much about the current um, redemption, which is far surpasses the redemption of going out of Mitzrayim. So, but I'd like to touch upon something interesting in the Parsha, um, a name, a new name that emerges for the Jewish people this week's Torah portion. It's also a name of God, and somehow it's a little, it's somehow there is a, a fusion between God's name and the Jewish people's name. It's an interesting idea. I have a particular intention in this, in this class um, for two reasons. Number one, because we're living in such an intense time, um, we have to highlight very much the 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 the. the the um, virtue and the uh, specialty of good people and, you know, have to speak good of humanity and of the world and make sure that everybody is safe and, and only good. Especially, as a Jew, we have to look out for one each other and um, particularly speak well of, of Israel and the Jewish people. So this class is going to be talking about a certain quality, bringing forth hopefully the attraction of Hashem to the Jewish people, number one. So this is for a safety kind of a thing. Another element is that being that um, there is a lot that needs to be taken down in terms of the wickedness and unholiness that's, as I gave today on a short little video, on the most external, superficial, outer level of existence, but there still is some kind of a darkness. Not just some kind, but seems to be pretty, pretty nasty. And um, we're going to be discussing a name of God, the name Tzvaos, which is a name when we don't say Hashem's name, so we say Tzvakos. We can sometimes say Tzvaos because when it's referring to the Jewish people, then it's called tzivais or tzvakos, uh, means an army, or hosts of angels and the like. But when it's referring to Hashem, obviously we change the word, um, and we, just like we don't say any of God's names, only with alteration. So the Midrash tells us, and we're going to read that Midrash later in the class, but the Midrash tells us that God's names change in accordance to Hashem's actions. When Hashem acts, God can't be defined, and name is a description. And being that Hashem is indescribable, so a godly to Hashem Himself doesn't have a name. But when He does certain certain activities, when He when He when He channels Himself in a certain way, 
to impact or to uh, have, you know, to have a certain effect on the world, um, that's when his names change in accordance to that. The name Tzavakos, um, that name of God is when God fights the wicked. And uh, being that, so I, I really want to highlight that name because I think that's where we're at right now. We need some divine intervention and make the Abish to help. That there should be um, only good for the world, only good for the Jewish people, and only good for for all for all of for all of Hashem's creation. Okay, that has been said. And again, Torah is very powerful. So when we learn something, especially when we put it out on the waves of the internet, it goes, it goes spreads across the universe, and it has impact. So here's a, a good reason for a 1 a.m. in the morning class. Okay, especially in such a crucial time like right now. All right, so um, this week's in Torah portion, when the Jewish people leave Egypt, um, we became a people. The Jewish people became a people. Till then, they were more like a family. Um, but then, now that we became a nation, as was discussed, and we brought this many times, it says so in Yechezkel, in Ezekiel, it discusses the birth of Israel at the time of, of in, in Egypt, and the going out of Egypt to be forged as a people. And um, we, there's a certain name or reference in which the Jewish people are referenced by that emerges in these Torah, in these um, in this parsha and in, in this week's parsha primarily it's already mentioned briefly in last week's Torah portion but it's the story of the the exodus of the exodus brings out certain um, identity of the Jewish people and that is called that we're called the armies of God and so it starts already last week in the parsha in in Shemos and Exodus Pasik Perak Zion chapter seven verse Dalid verse uh, four it says Yishma Lechem Pare Pare will not listen to you I will give my hand in Egypt I will take out my armies as Ami B'nei Yisrael, my people, the Jewish people, Me'eretz Mitzrayim, from the land of Mitzrayim, B'shvatim G'doylum, with great, with great uh, punishments, or with, yeah, with great judgments. So God says, so again, how does he refer to the Jewish people? His armies. I will take out my armies. Let's see how he says it over here. Oh, my legions, yeah, same idea. I'll take out my legions, I'll take out my armies from the, Jewish, from, uh, from the land of Egypt. Now, that's last week in, the, in, in, in last week's portion. In this week's Torah portion, in Parshat's boy, it's even stronger. So here it says like this in Perek Yud Beis, it says it three times. In Perek Yud Beis, um, which is chapter 12, Pasuk Yud Zayin, verse number 17. It says, You should guard the matzah. Because in the essence of this day, I've taken out your legions from the land of Egypt. 
So that's, that's, again, second time. The Jewish people as legions, some kind of an army, right? Then we have later, the Pasuk says, in, again, chapter 12, verse 41, Perik Yud Beis, Pasuk Mem Aleph, It was in the end of 430 years. It was in the middle of the day. All the armies of Hashem went out of went out of out of Egypt. So here it's in a chiddush. Here it's referring to. It doesn't say tzivaisai, my armies or something. It refers it the legions of God. Hashem, the legions of God went out of Mitzrayim. So this is a third time already in in the book of Shemos, and there's one more time. Um, A little further, one more time. Vahibi Yatsama Yemaza, this is in again chapter twelve. Pasik Perik uh Perik Yud Bay's Pasik Nun Aleph. Chapter twelve, the last verse in chapter twelve, verse fifty one. Hashem took the Jewish people out of Egypt um, in their legions. So we got three times that the Jewish people are called Sivois, or four times altogether. One in last week's Torah portion, three times in this parish. So we need to understand um, the name of, of something represents a very deep, it's, it's not just, you could say, like, why are we called the armies? Why are we called the armies, the legions of God? We can say because it's part of, you know, our mission in this world as a people to fight darkness, to fight evil. Legions, an army is for a war. So we're combating darkness, we're combating ignorance, we're combating, you know, wickedness and the dark elements in the world. We know that when we increase, the way we fight is, it's not a war with, 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 with physical ammunition, even though the Jewish people did that as well at certain times, with King David and all the other, when they conquered the land of Israel, and they fought against Amalek and so on and so forth. There were times when we took up arms, but that's not the main idea of this war. The main war is a spiritual war. And the way we fight the war is primarily two ways. One is by increasing light. That means by doing acts of goodness. When you light a candle, even one tiny little lamp, when you do one act of a mitzvah, one godly act, it dispels a lot of darkness. And that's how you're fighting darkness. And what that really, we have to understand that that has repercussions in the world. Because if the spiritual source of, of, of evil, which is a, a spiritual darkness, is lessened, because the more light, the less darkness, then its energy flow and its power that it infuses to its constituents down here that are executing this evil and so on and so forth, uh, their ammunition, their power, their, their fuel is lessened. And it becomes less and less and less. So the more light we add, the more goodness we do, we, the more darkness we dispel. That's one way. Another way is sometimes more direct, in direct conflict with the negative, when we are experiencing any kind of negative impulse, desire, or something like that, where something is coming our way that's of negativity, and we crush it, 
We don't, uh, we subdue it or destroy it or eradicate it or even better, transform it. Um, that happens after a lot of exercises of not giving in to something and then you can actually in the end weaken it to the point that you can take that very, very uh, essential urge, desire or something and transform it to become a power towards the holy and the godly. But that's not the discussion of tonight. But by doing that, we're also combating darkness, breaking it, destroying it. It has, a, again, a huge impact. So these are the two methods primarily in which we do so. And that's the reason, so we can say that's an important mission in this world. And for that purpose, we're called the armies, the legions, because we're fighting this battle. But that's still not enough, because after everything is said and done, that's a mission that we have. Here we're talking about a core value in the Jewish people. A core, a name means an identity. The identity of the Jewish people, yes. As long as the world is, 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 has, has darkness and has um, um, elements that are of, of the, of, of the still left over from the snake, um, these things are blocking the ultimate goodness from manifesting. It's blocking godliness from revealing itself in the world. So of course it has to be eliminated. But that's just, a, in a sense, you know, that's, that's not our identity. The identity of the Jewish people is not, is not, um, I mean, I wouldn't say is to, it's not a core value, that's what I mean. Although it's an important part of the Jewish experience, when we say we have a certain name, it implies something very deep and something very essential in the essence of this en entity called Israel, the Jewish people. So perhaps we'll come to an understanding of something like that. And we have to say that this is the name that we got. No, it's, see, it's not so much by the fact that we have this name. The fact that the Jewish people have this name could, could be, yeah, because one of our tasks is to do this. But it's primarily the fact that this name was given to us at such a crucial moment. We're referred to by this name as soon as we're emerging as a people. Now at that moment when we're emerging as our people, that's when our very fundamental features are coming into being. Not add-ons, there's a lot of add-ons. There's a lot of important things. And these add-ons can also give us a certain name. But that name would not be, would not be um, called forth and at least originate at a time of when the, when the, when the primary component of Israel is developed. Or rather, more than component, the primary root essence of Israel is coming forth, of the Jewish people is coming forth. The fact that it is at this particular time is an indication that this is deeper than just, than just eliminating that which is negative in the world. So we need to understand what that is. Okay. So to understand that, let's take a look. We know that, as I mentioned earlier, Tzavakos, in addition to it being a, a, um, a name in which the Jewish people are referred to, Tzavakos is also a name of Hashem. It's one of God's seven names that we're not allowed to erase. 
There are seven Hebrew names mentioned in Scripture, mentioned in Torah. And all these names of Hashem are non-erasable. Uh, one is in violation of a biblical prohibition if you erase Hashem's name. And what are these names? So there's, let's say, for instance, the name Kale, the name of Elohim, the name Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, the name Eke, which Hashem revealed to Moshe, right? At the time of it. There is the name um, Shakai. And there is one more, which I'm a little tired now, so it's not coming to me right now. And finally, there is the name of um, Tzavakot. Okay? Hashem Tzavakot, that's another name of Hashem. So there is a discussion in the Talmud if this particular name of God is considered one of those unerasable names. In other words, is there seven or is there six? So let me take you to the discussion. The discussion is a Mesechtes Shavuos. Mesechtes Shavuos, Tractate Shavuos, Daf, Lamid, Hey Amid Beis, page 35 on the second page. The there's a the Gemara brings the Talmud brings a brisa which is a form of a Mishnah Tan Rabbanon the Rabbanon learned the Gemara is the Mishnah is over there the brisa is talking about if you write partially a part of God's name which is maybe also considered already a name on its own in other words someone was intending to write the name Elohim which is, starts with Aleph Lamed but the person wrote just the Aleph and the Lamed. But they weren't, in, which is a name of God on its own. So the question is, can, can you erase it, right? Because it wasn't intended to be the name. Or another one, I, had, I now I know the other name. The other name is, we said before, the Tetragrammaton, Yudke Vavke, but one of them is just Yudke. Just the Yud and the He itself, Ka, we, we, we call it Ka, is also Hashem's name. So, but what happens if you write? Because these names are names of Hashem on their own. But if you wrote Shin Dalid from the word Shakai, which is spelled Shin Dalid Yud, but you only wrote Shin Dalid, that you can erase because that's not yet a name. Or Aleph Dalid Me Adna, or Aleph and Dalid from Adna, again, it's not even a name. Or Tzadik Beis Mitzvakos, where you wrote the first two letters from Tzvakos. You're allowed to erase it because it's not considered a name. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, Tzavakos, kulay nimchak. The whole name Tzavakos you can erase, even if you wrote the whole thing, because it's not one of the unerasable names. Shloy nikrit Tzavakos, because he is not called Tzavakos, Elal Shem Yisrael, only on the name of Israel, or on the part of Israel, of, the, of, of, of Yisrael, of the Jewish people. Shenemar, and he brings a pasuk. The last week's the pasuk in last week's Torah portion, Pasha's Ve'era. I will take out. God says, "My legions, my people, the Jewish people, the children of Israel, my Eretz Mitzrayim from the land of Egypt." So, what is Rabbi Yossi saying? Simply, it's not God's name. I mean, again, I'm saying simply that Tzvakos is not really God's name. It's 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 the name. It's associated with the Jewish people. And therefore, it's not considered a holy name of God, and you can erase it. That's what it says over here in 
Gemara, Daflamid Hay, Mesech Teshvuas, Daflamid Hay, Amid Beis. Fine. We find the same argument mentioned in three other places, but slightly different. And that is, there is something called the small mesechtes, the small tractates. They're not really the major tractates, but they're yet still tractates of Talmud. One of them is mesechtes seifrim. So in the tractate of scribes, Perek Revi, the fourth chapter, Starts off, these are the names of God that you can't erase. Fine, gives you which one? Aleph, Lamed, which is Kale. Aleph, Dalid, Yud, K, which is... Aleph, Dalid, Yud, K. Yud, K? Aleph, Lamed, I got. Aleph, Dalid, Maybe it's Aleph Dalit Nunke. Maybe it's just a mistake. I don't know. I'm not paying. I'm just. Uh, I, I didn't notice this before. Okay, we'll figure that out another time. Not for now. Shakai Tzavokos Eke. These are the names. Well, the names that we mentioned earlier. Rabbi Yosi Aimer. Rabbi Yosi argues. Same like by us. Same person. Rabbi Yosi. And what does he say? Tzavakos Choyl. Tzavakos, the name Tzavakos, you don't have to say Tzavakos, you can say Tzavakos, because it's not a name of the divine. Choyl, it's mundane. Which means it's not referring to a name of God. And therefore, okay, that's it. It's not considered a name. So it's consistent with what we saw over here. But over here in the, in the Brisa, he doesn't give any proof to it. He himself doesn't say any, any reasoning to this that he dismisses the name. By us, in the original, uh, what I brought you earlier from Masech Teshvus, it gives a reason, because it says, because it's called on the name of the Jewish people. So he says, Tzavoisai, fine. Or he doesn't. But Reb Shimon ben Elazar, Amar Reb Shimon ben Elazar, so Reb Shimon ben Elazar seems to want to um, give commentary on Reb Yossi. And he, and he uh, supports him. And he says, Shall base Aguda, this house of Aguda, which was a, some kind of a household in Jerusalem, or a shul, or some kind of a yeshiva, or something. Here he doesn't say umnin, here he says kaisvin, but he brings on the bottom that in the Jerusalem Talmud, it adds the word. These were professional scribes in, 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 uh, in, in Jerusalem. And they would erase. The word Tzavakais, Shahina Agam because they conducted themselves with this particular name, not with the sanctity that deserves to one of God's names. Shanamar, and the proof to that is, Ufaktu Sare Tzavakais, Tzavakais, Bereisha'am. This is, they bring another verse in which the word Tzavakais is mentioned. Over there, it's, not, it's referring to the Jewish military. Going to war. This is in Parsha Shoftim. Parsha Shoftim, in the end of in Deuteronomy, in Parsha Shoftim, it talks about the Jewish people you know, lining up to go out to battle. So it goes through the whole procedure of how when they would go out of battle, the Kohen would talk to them and, and give them certain instructions. 
and um, he wanted to make sure. Oh, and at the end, um, they stationed um, generals in front of the people. The generals would go out, at the front of the army, they're ready to go. There were words, you see the word or legion, which stands for legions, and it's nothing to do with, with Hashem, nothing to do with God. Legions, that's the word for legions, tzva'is. So, so you see, tzva'is is not a holy name. It's referring to, uh, to a military, to a battalion of soldiers. All right. That's what it says over here, Masech Sofrim. And when Ovis the Rebbe Nassim, There's another one of these small mesechtos, small tractates, chapter 34, Mishnah Beis. Says, Asar Hashem is shel shvach nikra Baruch God has ten names. We just said earlier, seven names, here he brings ten names, but not all of them are unerasable, as we're going to see. Um, when he, then he brings tzvaka, he says one of them. Um, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, I'm arguing, we, we, we dispute the name tzvaka. He brings the verse that Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar brings to support him. Over here, here it's Rabbi Yossi himself bringing that verse. You see, the, the word tzvaka is, is, uh, is, is a word used for, for ordinary legions, not referring to God. Okay. And the same, similar to these, two, to these two statements, is also in the Jerusalem Talmud. With the same reasoning of Rabbi Yossi that it's not a name, it, there it also brings the idea that in that yeshiva in Jerusalem, they used to erase it. So you see, it's not considered a name. They didn't treat it with sanctity. And it brings also the same verse, that Tzvah is a name for the army, for the legions, and therefore it's not referring to Hashem. Okay. Now, we do, however, find God, there's no argument on there's no question about this. We do find, not in Chumash, but we find in um, the prophets, in Navi, that means in the other part of scripture that is not as, as holy as the five books of Moshe, right, as a Torah itself, but yet they're part of what we call scripture, Torah Shebiksav. And we find over there that Hashem is associated with the name Tzavakos. In many places it says Hashem Tzavakos, which is in, so it's referring to God. So how is Rabbi Yaisi going to explain the name Tzavakos? Now, the Talmud says in Mesech Brachos, no, the Talmud tells us in tractate Mesech Brachos, I think Taflamid Aleph, the Gemara says, that um, there was no one who called God with the name Tzvakais until Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Shmuel Anavi's mother, um, when she's praying, she calls out to God and she says, Hashem Tzvakais. She brings the tetragrammaton, the Yudke Vavke, Havaya Tzvakais. And that's how she calls out to God in her prayer when she's praying for her child. So the Talmud says that's the first time that the name Tzavakos is in reference to Hashem. Again, we brought a, a whole bunch of times the word Tzavakos is to be found in Chumash. 
But in Chumash, the word Tzavakos is named a word associated with armies. Either the armies of God, the Jewish people as a whole, consider the army of Hashem, or in the end, it's speaking just about a particular, you know, the group of soldiers going out to war, calling them Tzavakos. Um, but we don't find Hashem called in that name. But in the Navi, clearly it says Hashem Tzavakos. So what is Rabbi Yossi? And when Rabbi Yossi says Tzavakos is not God's name, he doesn't mean the Tzavakos from Chumash. No one says that Tzavakos from the, uh, from the Torah itself is God's name. Because it's clearly referring to Israel. It's referring to the Jewish people, not to Hashem. What, what they're talking about is the times when it does, it is seen to be a reference to God. So then how, what is Rabbi Yossi going to do with that? And the answer is, he reads that whenever it says Hashem Tzavakos, the word Tzavakos is not referring to God, but rather the Lord of hosts. Hashem, God, who is the God over Tzavakos, over the hosts, which are referring to the angels. Or it could be referring he's the God over the Jewish people that are the legions of God. But the word Tzavakos is not a reference to Hashem. It's a reference to those that he, to others. Hashem is the God over them. So, but the, again, the word itself doesn't contain any holiness, any particular holiness. I mean, of course it's holy because it's, it's part of Scripture. Every word of Scripture is holy. Every word of Tanakh is holy, right? But we're talking about a particular holiness that's, that's connected to Hashem's, to Hashem's name. If you're writing a Chumash and you made a mistake, you're allowed to erase. If you put the wrong word in, you're allowed to erase that word. You're writing Vayomer, and he said, and you, wrote, you weren't supposed to write that, you're allowed to erase those letters. You put God's name, you can't erase it, you got a problem. It's not allowed to be erased. So Tzavakos, according to Rabbi Yossi, is allowed to be released. Even when it seems to be referring to God, it's not. But according to the other opinions, it is. Anyways, that's the argument. But what we notice over here is that the, our passage, and I brought you primarily two sources. When I say two, I brought you really four sources. But number two, three, and four say the same thing. Number one seems to be saying the same thing, but differently. So I want to point out the differences between this, this discussion as it is in the Talmud and this discussion as we find it in the other short little Mesechtes that I brought you earlier, Mesechtes Sofer. Again, every, the sages are very particular in their wording. Again, the difference will be the difference in what Rabbi Yossi says. In our Talmud, Rabbi Yossi says, you're allowed to erase it. And what's his source? He says, because it, we're not, it's not called Tzavakos only in the name of the Jewish people. He brings the Pasuk, which says, God says, I will take my armies out of, I'll take my legions out of Egypt. That's what he uses as proof. The other three sources that we brought, they say that, Rabbi Yossi says, that the name Tzavakos is a name that's mundane, it's whole, and the source that they bring is Psukim, a Pasuk, a verse in the end of the Torah, in Devarim, talking about a military going to war. So why, I mean, why are they referring or bringing to proof? It's the same Rabbi Yossi, bringing different, different, uh, different verses.
So therefore, we say, and again, I'm sharing with you all this as a teaching from the Rebbe, in Sefer Lakuti Sichas, in the last volume of Sefer Shemos. And um, so he brilliantly analyzes this. And his um, explanation is that there is a fundamental difference between the, the Rebiosi that we learn in Mesech Shavuos and the Rebiosi that we find in the other place. In other words, there's two opinions of what Rebiosi said, basically. According to the Talmud in Mesech Shavuos, what Rebiosi is saying is, well, let's go rather the others. In the other places, in the other statements, in Mesechtas Ovois, the Rabbi Nasan, in Mesechtas Sofrim, in the Jerusalem Talmud, in those three sources, the word Rabbi Yossi says is that, especially in Mesechtas Sofrim, he uses a very strong word. He says, Tzavakos is choil. It's a weekday. It's, it's, it's not, it doesn't have any sanctity at all. And the reason for that is, it's not referring to God at all. Only something, only a name of God is holy and therefore unerasable. It's not referring to Hashem at all. So as I said earlier, whenever it says Hashem Tzavakos, it means the God of hosts, but the host is not God. The, the word before that, which says Hashem, is the, is, is the holy word. Or Elohim Tzavakos. The Elohim is holy, but not the Tzavakos. Because you can say Elohim Tzavakos. You say the word out because it's not holy, because it's referring to the, the, uh, the armies, not to God. And that's why, in order to prove it, what's the verse that they bring? They bring a pasuk in which is referring to something that is completely unrelated to Hashem. Talking about the, the military ready to go out to war and the, and, the, and, the, and the officers in charge are set up in front of the battlefield. Fuck to sarei tzavakos b'roisha'am. Adverse. So over there, it's not referring at all to Hashem. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yossi according to those sources that we just brought. According, however, to our Gemara, if you look at the words, he doesn't say that the word Tzavakos is Choyl. Choyl meaning mundane. It's nothing. doesn't say that. He says, you can erase it. So he's not saying it's not God's name. doesn't say it once here. See, yeah, everything in Torah is very nuanced. If you look carefully at the words, Rabbi Yossi is not saying this is not a name of God. All he says is, is that you can erase it. Now if it's God's name, oh, but if you can erase it, it must not be God's name. Not necessarily. There are certain references which we call them nicknames, so to speak, that we use for God, Hebrew words, that people, when you see that word, you know it's referring to Hashem, and yet you're allowed to erase it. For example, if you write the Great One, the word Haggadol, which the Great One, with the big hay in front of it, which means the Great One, the Great One is God, like we say in Shemona Esrei, Hakel Haggadol, the Great God. Or you write Hagibor, the Almighty, but you, but you don't write the Almighty in its name, Elohim. But you just write the word Hagibor, the Mighty One. The Hanora and the Fearful One, or the, 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 the one that casts awe, or the like. 
So any of these names, even though it's clear that it's a reference to Hashem, you're allowed to erase them. Because it's not God's name, it's a reference to Him, but it's not His name. And in a sense, interesting, it might even be called the name of God because it's designated to God, but it's not a holy name. And that's why it's, or even if it's holy, it's not holy enough that you're not allowed to erase it. So therefore we say, the, the Mara refers to them as shemos, as names, nimchakim that are erasable. And the first side, in Daflam and Hei Yomid Aleph, the Gemara refers to names which are, they're called, or Erech the one that's patient, uh, takes long to get him angry. Or Rachum, the merciful one. And all these things, they're, they're, they're names, but, as he says, Yes, Shemois, Shenim, Chakim, there are names that could be erased. So there are names of Hashem. So the same we would apply to the name Tzavakos according to Rabbi Yossi, according to our passage in the Talmud, the Masech is that the name Tzavakos is a name of Hashem, yet it's erasable because it goes into the category of erasable names of God. Unlike what Rabbi Yossi says in the, in the other tractates, where over there it implies that the name Tzavakos is not a name at all because it's not referring to God. Now we'll understand why the Talmud is then therefore not bringing the Talmud by us in Rabbi Yossi does not bring the more, that verse that all the other sources bring where it's talking about the Jewish military and you're setting up the because the, the, that's not talking about God at all. We're bringing the Pasuk that God says I am taking out my legions. Ah, over here, this is very different. Because Since Rabbi holds that, again, according to our Talmud, to the passage we're reading now, that, that, that Tzavoisai is Hashem's name, but it's Hashem's name when He is called with a name that, 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 that is associated with Israel. Let, let me explain that for a moment. The Gemara over here, if you look at the words carefully, doesn't say that the name is not referring to God. Again, we're saying now that it is a name of Hashem. It's just not his more common name or not his specifically designated name that you can't erase it. It is a name. So it is a reference to Hashem. So, but, but what is the reason the Gemara says you can erase it? The Gemara says, Shaloi nikrit el al So earlier I, I explained it to you on purpose, uh, in the incorrect way. Earlier I said, it's not referring to God, it's referring to Israel. Like we see in the Psukim that says, Tzivais Hashem, the armies of Hashem, the legions of God. Or Vaitesias Tzivais, I take out my armies. It's referring to the Jewish people, not to God. No, but if you look carefully, the Gemara doesn't say, Shaloi Nikra Tzivakois Elo Yisrael that the Jewish people are called tzavakos. The Gemara says, Shaloi nikra tzavakos, Ella al shem Yisrael, that God is not called tzavakos, that Hashem is not referred to as tzavakos, only because of the Jewish people. In other words, here is Hashem is identifying so deeply with the Jewish people that He calls Himself with their name. And it's even stronger 
in the Ro- Rosh and the Rif, which are two co- great early, from the Rishonim, early commentators on the Talmud, they many times do cut and paste, so to speak. They, they, they bring actual pieces of the Talmud itself in their writings as when they're writing halacha, they're, they're bringing down, they're trying to extrapolate from the Talmud, from the Gemara halacha. And in their version of the Gemara, it says actually stronger, it adds one word. Shaloi nikra ha-kadish baruchu That God, there it says, here it says shaloi nikra tzavakos. In their version, both in the Roshan and the Rif, it says clearly, shaloi nikra ha-kadish baruchu That God is not called tzavakos, elal sham Yisrael, only on the sake of the Jewish people. So what is really being said? What is being said is like this. The other names of God, Kael, Elohim, Havaya, Shakai, Ka, all the other names that we mentioned, are all names of Hashem. They are, they are specifically God's names. Obviously, each one brings out and expresses something uniquely divine a power that is utterly divine. That is Hashem. And that's why these are His names. Now, though the truth is that some of those names are sometimes borrowed and used for, thi- for an entity other than God. For example, judges are called Elohim. And we don't say Elohim, we say Elohim. It says, Elohim lo sekalel, don't, don't curse a judge. That's what I mean. You're not allowed to curse a judge. You know, you're not allowed to curse any person. I curse a Jew, for sure not. But a judge, you have an extra prohibition. Don't tr- curse a judge. And what does the verse say? Elohim. Why, why judge is called Elohim? Because they have power. God is called Elohim because he's the all-powerful one. And judges have power. Like right? he can decide your life. Or a judge can put someone away for many years. <laughs> Or, 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 or other kinds of punishments. So they have, they have a lot of power. That's what they call the Lokim. So you see that that's kind of God shares that name with others. No, no, no. It's a godly name. It's a name referred to Hashem. But when we want to indicate people that have extraordinary power or something like that, we will borrow the term and use it for... Uh, for, uh, for Oh, another one. Uh, your, your, your righteousness is like the, the, the mighty mountains. We use the word kale, and kale is not a name of God in that. kale, like mountains of kale. So you see clearly that the Aleph Lamed, which is the name of God, is borrowed and used by something else. But here's the difference. So therefore you can argue on Tzavakos. So it's also a shared name. It's a name that applies to God and applies to the Jewish people. But it's a difference. These other names are names that are divine. For whatever reason, at times, we adapt them or use it for something else. Obviously, we couldn't do that on our own, but the Torah does so, so obviously it's right. For whatever it wants to express. But, but the name Tzvokos is the opposite. Hashem is not calling himself Tzvokos only because of the Jewish people. So because he identifies so much with them and they are legions, he too is part of those legions. And therefore he too is in the name Tzavakos for himself. So in a sense he assumes their name as opposed to them assuming his name in, 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 the, in this idea of Tzavakos. 
And because of that, it's an erasable name. Similar to as we said earlier, the mighty, the strong, the this, the that. That's not, it's not a unique name to God. So what we have over here is obviously very now very different, a differentiation and a deeper understanding that um, Rabiosi, as it is portrayed over here in, in, in Tractate Mesech Teshuvuz, and the very same Rabiosi as he is described as he, in, in the other sources, it's a different take on Rabiosi. It's a different, halachically, it's different. What's the difference? The difference is, do we, we derived it from the fact that the, the source that is being brought is a different source. But there would be a different than halacha. That according to the Gemara by us, it is a name. It's just an erasable, it's an erasable name. And according to the other sources, it's not a name at all. And it's not referring to God at all. Now, what would be technically the difference? I mean, if you're allowed to erase it, you're allowed to erase What's the difference? I mean, the difference is in the understanding. When it says Tzavokos, Hashem Tzavokos in the Navi, is Tzavokos ref, is ref, a continuation of God's name, Hashem Tzavokos, or is Tzavokos just that he is the God over the, over the, uh, the Lord of hosts? So that's a difference. But halachically, what difference would it make practically, other than in understanding? Practically would make a difference could be that it says in Shulchan Aruch, in the Code of Jewish Law, that when you write in Yiddish, let's say the word Abish there, or you write Hashem, or Hashem maybe not because Hashem is purposely written Hashem so that you're not writing God's name. But maybe, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. When you write various different expressions that in different languages that are referring to God, even though it's not Hashem's name explicitly, you're not allowed to treat them with disrespect. In other words, there's no, you're not, if you erase it, it's not considered you erased God's name to have the, uh, you know, the violation that you were, a person violated by erasing Hashem's name, but still it is prohibited to treat it disrespectfully. It, obviously, so it will apply tzvakos to tzvakos as well if tzvakos is a reference to Hashem, even though it's an erasable name. But if tzvakos is not, an, is not an, a, 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 a reference to God, but it's a reference to legions who are not Hashem, then it's like any other word of Torah. Well, you shouldn't disrespect any word of Torah, but it doesn't have that. If you wrote Tzavakos down somewhere and it's not as part of the Torah, and it's not that it doesn't have that sanctity, and you would be allowed to throw it out, which you shouldn't do with Hashem's name. You should treat, or if you throw them away, you should put it away, treat it with respect, not in a, in a shameful way. So that would be a difference. But now let's analyze a little further um, not the passage in the Talmud, but the reasoning behind um, the, other, the other source that we said before. The three Talmudic sources, the Jerusalem Talmud, Mesechtes Soifrim, the Mesechtes of Scribes, Mesechtes uh, Ethics of the Fathers of Rabbi Nasan. It's, it's not the regular Ethics of the Fathers. Over, in which it states that Rabbi Yossi holds it's literally whole. So let's go a little deeper. And here's the question. If the whole reason why and proof to say that it's mundane and it's not referring to God at all is because we find the word tzavakos used pertaining to a military. 
So what do they say? Because we find in this word used, not to God, is a sign that the word, the name is not a reference to Hashem. Hold it. If that's your barometer, that if you find a word applied to someone else or to some other entity, you already deduce from there that it can't be God's name because no one would be using God's name. Hold it. We just mentioned earlier that there are other names of God that are also applied to others besides Hashem, like judges called in the name of Elohim and a mighty tall Mount Everest called Harare Kale, the big uh, mighty mountains, which uses the word Kale, which means strength on a mountain. So you find the other names of Hashem also um, in reference to things, to entities that are not Hashem. If that would be your proof, then you disprove many of the other names. Not all of them, but many of the other names are also disproved they couldn't be God's names. And the only one that Rabbi Yossi is arguing is only on the name Tzavakos. But how is the name Tzavakos then different than the other names? So we have to say that when they say that when Rabbi Yossi, according to that opinion, that the name is utterly mundane, nothing to do with God, his main reasoning is not that verse. And more than that, the, the bringing of that verse is not, be, it's not even a reason, as we're going to see in a moment. It's just comparing it to something. But it's not, it's not a reason. The reason is actually not stated. But we can figure it out on our, on our own. Meaning it's not stated in the Brysa explicitly what its reason is. But it's something that could be understood. And that is as follows. Rabiosi is of the opinion that every name of God that's referring to God can only, can, can only be a name of Hashem only if it was communicated to us in the Torah. Only from the Torah itself. Now what does the Torah mean? Torah in the narrow sense. When I say Torah in the narrow sense, I mean only the five books of Moses. Excluding, of course, the oral law, but also excluding even scripture, the Tanakh, the the, the Nach, the Nevi'im and the Ksuvim, the prophets and the writings, which are the other two sections of Scripture, any name of Hashem, any word that, that we would like to say it's a name, but if we don't find it explicitly stated in the Chumash through Moshe, then it's not a name of God. Nevi'im, prophets, notwithstanding the greatness of the prophets as communicators of the divine, they can communicate the divine, but they can't, they can't reveal and bring to us a new name of God that, doesn't, that, doesn't, that was not found in the Torah. Why? If they can bring God's messages, why can't they bring us a new name? Another way in which God is known. And the answer is, a name of Hashem means a name that somehow is a description of, as we spoke earlier, quality that is uniquely His, that is divine. And if it's, if it's divine, mean, it means it is inherently beyond the perception and the understanding of a creation, of a created being. And when we say a created being, we mean any being. Even the most 
refined being, even the most elevated prophet like Samuel, like Shmuel, or other great prophets, uh, Yeshaya Hanavi, wherever, wherever the prophet may be, any created being, even celestial beings, beings that are not contained in bodies, higher and higher and higher, no matter how high they are, a created entity can never perceive, just like we understand that a created entity cannot perceive the essence of God. And God says to Moshe, for instance, you can't see me. No one has seen me in a life. He says, I want to say. So similar to that, the names of God are Hashem's attributes. And being that, as explained in, by the Kabbalists, and in Hasidus it explains this a lot, that Hashem and his state, based on a statement from the Zohar, Hashem and his attributes are completely one. So just like God is incomprehensible to any mind, so too his attributes are incomprehensible to any mind. So prophecy, which is, so you'll say, well, prophecy is not a comprehension of the prophet, it's a communication of God. What is, what is prophecy? Prophecy is not some great rab, some great uh, holy man, some great spiritual individual that ascends the ladders of spirituality, of deep, deep, deep mystical understanding and, and, and uh, elevation and purification and reaches a certain sublime state in which he can behold, the, the, he can break out of the realms of the spiritual and start touching the realms of the divine. And therefore, he sneaks, peeks up there and brings us information. What he saw. There are people, tzaddikim, who've done that. They rise up to a higher realm, they see things. And they can rise to a world beyond our world, they can run even harder, and they can rise even to the realms of the divine and see things. But that's they themselves snapping pictures, so to speak, taking a little video, what I'm saying, you know, to go up there and, and see something and, 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 and come down and communicate to us. That's not prophecy. Prophecy is God Almighty Himself deciding that He wants to talk to somebody. He's contacting a human being and communicating to Him. If that's the case, so what's wrong with the prophet communicating one of God's names? And the answer is yes, of course a prophet can communicate godliness. Something of the divine, a divine message. But since the idea, the way prophecy works is that, or the, and the essence of prophecy is that Hashem wants to inform humanity with something. Either all of humanity or a particular group or just one person. But Hashem has something that He wants to share with the world or with a, a person in the world, or people in the world, as mentioned. So, it's not the revelation of God Himself. It's not His own private being, transcendental inner self. God Himself is infinitely and endlessly beyond the creation. In who He is. Somehow, for whatever motivation and for whatever reason, he did bring a creation into existence and is in a relationship with it. The, his communication through a prophet 
in prophecy is something about his relationship with the world, perhaps something about the creation and about the world, which needs divine um, illumination or divine... And again, so it can be about him, but about him and his relationship with the world, or it can be about something not working well in the world that needs to be fixed, and God is warning us or something like that to fix it or to whatever it is. That's number one. Number two, the prophecy itself is a kind of a blend between a human experience and a divine experience. That means, on the one hand, it is a channeling of, 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 of God. Like the Navi says, His words is on my tongue. I think it was the, I don't remember the whole Pasuk. His words, his speech is in my mouth and his words are on my tongue. It means it's God's words. But it becomes assimilated into the mind of the prophet. That means that the prophet internalizes it, takes it, absorbs it, understands it, and then communicates it. So therefore, we know that the, 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 that the different prophets spoke in different, in different ways. Not every prophet had an equal. It wasn't like one sound coming through all the prophets that had the same voice. Or even if you say, okay, they're still speaking through their vocal cords, and the vocal cords are different. But also the style of prophecy was different in accordance to the, to the um, makeup, spiritual uh, personality, so to speak, makeup of this individual. So it says every prophet spoke in its own signon, in its own way of talking. Now, if the human element of the prophet would be totally canceled, their personality as a human being, their individual entity, and all they would become as a pipeline for the divine, why would it change from prophet to prophet? Who cares? You're just like, it's, 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 it's that channel. It's God speaking through a microphone. What difference does it make? This microphone, that microphone. And the answer is it's not that way. The Rambam says, God empowers prophecy or the, the person. So there is some kind of emerging taking place of, of, a, of a divine communication, of a divine message that is divine, but at a certain point it becomes in, integrated into a created entity, which is the prophet. Now here is the problem. Let me say the problem. Here is the limitation of that. First of all, it's just mind-boggling that an infinite God communicates, but that's part of his infinity, that he doesn't, he's not limited to, to, to being infinite and therefore incommunicatable with small vessels, with small containers, with, with finite creatures. He's part of his omnipotence and his infinity is that he's limitless and therefore he, can, he could and chooses to find interest and desire in communicating. So he could communicate. But because he desires that communication to be completely integrated into the prophet and through the prophet's integration, in other words, it doesn't remain a mystery and completely de uh, un, 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 um, a code that can never be cracked. Right? You would think that if it's a, it's, it should be cryptic to the point that it's, because it's, it's divine and, and we're human minds, we can never understand. It's not that way. We can hear the message. In the beginning, it looks maybe poetic. It looks... Like, but we can then eventually learn it, understand it, and hear what is being said. Behold it in our intelligence, in our understanding. And that's because that process begins in the prophet. 
it's assimilated into his mind and into his understanding and, into, and then into his physical body's uh, of, uh, um, uh, sound system and vocal cords. And each Navi probably sang a different tune when they gave over the prophet based on the type of tune that they are prone to singing. Maybe some more happy and others more solemn and whatever it is. That's how the prophecy came out. That means there's a certain blend over here. And for that reason, because of the human element of the receptacle, the, the vessel, the container, is containing it and in a sense translating it into human language, it's precisely because of that that it will not allow the experience to behold Hashem's name. Now the prophet can bring us a message, but he can't bring us God's name. Because what's God's name? One of a, 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 a description which is utterly godly. It's infinite. It's one with him. A finite being can't behold the infinite. Can take an infinite message but not the, not the, 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 um, he can't capture an attribute of God. And therefore, we don't have a, a new name of God coming, to the coming through a prophet. So then you'll ask a question, so then hold it. So how do we have any names of God? How can we have names of God? We might then argue that every name of God is only our human perception of him. But that's not true. The reason why the names of God are unerasable is because the holiness of God is in that name. That's not a human perception. It's his true name. So how does it work? If that's unknowable to a created being. So the answer is, that's the essential difference between Torah and prophecy. The five books of Moses is very, Moshe is very different than any other prophet. Moshe is the only prophet in which God can come through in the purely divine, in the purely infinite, and not contract or limit or, 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 or it's not translated into human finite thinking. In other words, it's communicated. Moshe spoke words. We can hear those. We can read in the Torah those words. But while they are words of Torah and while they are stories that we think we know what they mean and we know instructions and we know what they mean, the instructions, on the simple form, but in contained in it and in it is really infinite, endless, boundless, and utterly unknowable concepts that are in it and yet, it's, and yet, it, and yet it is communicated to us. How it's possible is one of the impossibilities of things. But that's the difference. In Torah, it's not a blend between the human and the godly. Torah is utterly godly. And Moshe is that unique prophet that was so transparent and so identityless that he didn't inject his self and his personality and his worldview or mindset onto anything that came to him from God, it was just a pure communication of the infinite. And the reason is not only because, you say, it's not because just, it has to do with the quality of Moshe's soul, because Moshe's neshama is the, 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 the essence of chachma. Chachma is that ability of being completely self-suspended and not have any self at all and allow something to be completely pure coming through you. That's one reason, but it's, but why was Moshe the one that was the soul that received that soul with that capacity? 
um, it's because Hashem wanted to give the Torah. So he, he prepared the vessel for it. And, and, and Torah is inherently dif fundamentally different than prophecy. Prophecy, as I was saying before, God, there is a world, there is a creation, and there is something about the creation that God wants to notify. Not about him, it's about the creation. And even if God is giving like instructions to a prophet to tell the people, like the people of Nineveh, God tells Jonah, tell them to do tshuva, it's because God has mercy on the creation, doesn't want to hurt them, he wants to save them, and therefore he sends the prophet to speak to them. So it's about them, it's not about him. Torah existed before there was ever a creation. Before there was ever a concept of creation, Torah doesn't need a creation. Torah is God's infinite, private science. It's His wisdom, it's His knowledge. It's, it's, it's utterly above. It's completely about God. It's nothing to do even with the creation. The fact that when we read it, we see a creation story and, and, and how we should live our lives, that's because God gifted us with a divine document in which we can elevate our existence up to a higher and match ourselves up to an utterly divine existence. It's not a God adapting to us, it's kind of allowing us to be picked up to adapt to His realm, to His eventually. But Torah itself, as we're saying, it's, 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 it's an infinite discipline, it's an infinite wisdom, it's an infinite... Um, and, and therefore, even things that are, even Hashem's names, which is, again, obviously infinite, because this is not just a, a concept in Torah, which is something about, something he understands, but this is his own understanding of himself, that's his name, his own definition of himself. So obviously, even more so, utterly incomprehensible, Yet through motion, through Torah, it can come because that's what Torah is. Torah is God sharing with us a map of himself, so to speak. Including his names. And that's why going back to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says that any name of God, he doesn't say it openly, but that's his real reasoning, any name of Hashem that was not communicated through Moshe, if it first appears in the prophet, which prophecy, again, has its inherent limitations because it's that, it's that, uh, it's that blend and, the, and, as we said before, the translation of the divine into creation understanding or human, a human, human experience, it can't originate a new name of God. Now, once Moshe brought us names of gods, the prophets can say it. That's okay, because Moshe already transmitted it. It was already brought to the world, something from out of the world. But before Moshe brought it, and they should uncover it, they can't do that. That's Rabbi Yossi's um, um, thing. So now, according to this, why does it say... It's interesting. If this is really the reason of Rabbi Yossi, again, it, there's no mention of it explicitly, in the Mesech Sofrim and of his Rabbi Nos, and it doesn't say this reason. But it's interesting, if you look at Mesech Sofrim, Rabbi Yossi doesn't say anything. Rabbi Yossi just says, Tzavakos, uh, uh, um, not a name of God. Chol, it's weekday. He doesn't give a reason. Because again, his reason is not the Pasuk. His reason is the obvious. It's not, men it's not mentioned as a name of God in the Chumash. If it's not coming through Torah, it's not a name of God. 
What is it then? Why do they then continue and say, Rabbi Shimon says, or in another place, Rabbi Yossi says, he brings the verse that says in Parsha Shoftim, what does it say over there? That uh, it's talking about the legions going out to war and putting up the, 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 the officers in the front of the army. What, they, what he means is he wants to express how, when I say the name of Tzvakos is not a name of God, to what degree do I mean that? So he says, oh, just like that Tzvakos in the Chumash, obviously it's not referring to God and therefore it's completely erasable. In the same way, even when it seems to be talking about God, it's not about God. It's totally erasable because as we said, it's, it's, it's not a name of Hashem at all because a name of God can't come through a prophet. Okay. Once we have this understanding in Rabbi Yaisi, according to those sources, oh wait, so now we just have to answer one thing. According to that understanding, what would then be the, the reason of those who argue on Rabbi Yossi? Again, in all those sources, it brings an argument. Rabbi Yossi says it's not a name of God. The others say it, it is a name of God. How are they going to answer this question? How can a name of God, which is, again, a description of who he is, be communicated through beings that are inherently limited and therefore can't capture the infinite? And the answer is, as we said earlier, although um, um, prophecy is translated into the human tongue, but at the same time, on the other side of it, it's God communicating. So there's two sides to it. If you're looking at it from above, it's God communicating. Hashem is, is, is downloading. They're receiving the download translating it into their, into their language. So Rabbi Yossi is looking at their translation, their reception, their reception of it. Being that they're receiving it with human faculties and with human abilities, with creation limit, inherently limited um, 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 vessels, you can't, they couldn't translate something infinite. So the name couldn't come through. They argue that since it's God transmitting, it could come through. Let me go back to the example I was giving before. If prophecy would not be a divine communication, but prophecy would just be the prophet themselves going on an exploring expedition and exploring the spiritual and godly realms above and snapping pictures like we send up a space a space entity to take to take to take pictures out of you know the Hubble tel telescope or the more advanced ones that they even have now taking pictures of, of the deep space and this is a spiritual being going into a higher deeper level of existence and taking pictures of it and coming in then every even the rabbis would agree that it's not a godly name because it would all be coming from the world of a human but since prophecy is it's like, you know, the prophet climbs up the ladder and God comes down the ladder and they meet in the middle. So because it's coming from Hashem as well, they say it, the communication, enough of it comes through of the divine. Again, even though, again, at a certain point, it's, 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 it's in a sense breaking away, but it's, or it's limiting it, let's put it that way, not breaking away, but limiting it. Yet, since it's, it's, it's a, a transmission coming from above. It's at least enough, that's what I was thinking. It's enough of it is coming through 
that it can be considered that we're capturing at least something of Hashem's name and therefore enough that it's holy that you can't erase it. Okay. Now, if this is the case, let's go back then to our Talmud and reanalyze the argument over here. Where we saying over here and we proved that according to Rabbi Yossi, Tzavokos is not, according to the way the Gemara over here, Masech Tashvuas understands Rabbi Yossi, the name Tzavokos is not a name that is completely mundane. But the name of Tzavokos is a name of Hashem, but it's erasable. So now, under this new understanding that we had from there, we can, we can reanalyze this over here and come to a better understanding. And that is that our Talmud also is following this, this reasoning that the essential problem Rabbi Yossi has with the name Tzavakos being a name of God, an unerasable name of God, is the idea that we said before that it's not mentioned in the Torah. Since it's not mentioned in the Torah, it can't be Hashem's name. Completely. But our Talmud takes it, 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 it um, uses it to, in a much more limited way as opposed to the opinions that we mentioned earlier in the understanding of Rabbi Yossi. They take it much narrower. And what they say is as follows. What does Rabbi Yossi say? The name Tzavakos, God is called Tzavakos because Israel is called Tzavakos. What is the deeper meaning of that? <laughs> the deeper meaning of that is that there is God as God is for himself and there's God as God is connecting to something outside of him. A creation, a people, something that is, is in existence. And in the context of that, God is lowering himself down. Let's put it this way. It's Hashem lowering himself down to the, the, the um, limitations, to the, to the definitions that exist within the world in order to be in a relationship with the world. So then we can look at, God, in, we look at the divine on two levels. There is the divine in its, utterly, in its utter divine state, and there is the divine as it lowers itself down to the properties of creation. And, what did Rabbi Yossi say? God calls himself Tzavakos because of the legions below, because of Israel. Which means that inherently, the idea of legions and so on and so forth doesn't, doesn't apply to, to Hashem's infinity. But because of his uh, uh, association with his legions below, he's part of the legion, so to speak. So he's kind of like, self-imposed definitions and restrictions on himself to, to, to project himself in a more creation-like image, if you can say. Therefore, Rabbi Yossi holds, so this he can agree on. Let's put it this way. It's not that it's not God, it's, when Rabbi, according to our Gemara, it's not that it's not a name of Hashem. It is a name of Hashem. But it's a name of Hashem already as God translated or has Hashem projects himself 
within the borders and boundaries of a created realm, within the, within the scope of, of, of the context of, create, of, of ideas that exist within creation. The other names of God are supernal um, energies, they're, they're transcendental ideas that are, that are not within, and we try to give somewhat of understanding, but we're not really understanding it at all. But the name Tzavakos is, the legions is something that is more, more human, more creation. And therefore, Rabbi Yossi makes a differentiation, and he says like this, a name of God which, which is capturing God where God is to himself in his utterly godly state, that's called a holy name. Holiness means removed, separated. And therefore, you're not allowed to erase it. It's not part of the limitations. And unerasable also means that it's eternal, absolute. It's not, because it, it doesn't have the... The, 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 the expiration like everything else has. Everything else expires. So, so, so everything gets erased. Everything in existence, you know, everything in the world has wear and tear and destroys and you know, nothing lasts forever. God is forever. So therefore you can't erase his name because he's forever. The fact that you're not erasing it physically is an indication that it's unerasable spiritually. Meaning it's unerasable in essence. It's eternal, it's for real. It's because it's removed. That's the holiness of it. That, that makes it for all eternity and therefore it can't be erased. So it turns into halacha that physically, you're right, you can't erase it. Even if you made a mistake or whatever, you need, you're not allowed to erase it. But the name of God and where God assumes the properties of a creation, so it's not, even though it's, an, it's his identity, but it's his identity as he, projects himself or self-limits himself kind of within the created elements, that's already not projecting the lofty infinity and untouchability and so on and, and, and so forth, an and indestructible element of God that's eternal and therefore unerasable. And therefore the law is that you could erase it. So the difference then would be Rabbi Yossi, as he's portrayed by the other and the other sources, hold that due to this limitation, it's not a name of God at all. It's not even a name that's not erasable. It's not a name. It's creation ideas. Here we have some kind of a medium. It's God as he is adapting himself already, in, as he's entering into the realms of limited and of, of creation kind of ideas and so on and so forth. Identity. And that's the same idea that we're saying earlier that God is, that the name Tzavakos and was revealed through a prophet. Because that's the whole idea of prophecy. Torah is God descending into the world as he is. In his utter limitlessness and infinite. That's why it's so awesome to learn Torah. You're basically <laughs> transcending the entire <coughs> universe, the entire cosmos, the entire existence. And you're merging with, with truth, with absolute infinite truth. Although we have no clue of what we're really learning, what's really taking place, but that's really there and contained in the Torah. But prophecy is already a, a contraction, a powerful contraction and an adaptation. And, and the name of Hashem Tzavakos is the same idea. It's the name of God as He is picking up, as He is identifying with the Jewish people, 
and kind of joining their army, and he is in the he's 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 part of the legion, and he and therefore he too is a he's a general in the army. He 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 is of the legion, but that whole concept is 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 a human created concept. So of course God is vested in it. It's not, it's not a name for some energy that God released. It's, the, it's, the, it's Hashem himself and it's the all of God. But because the names are not like for, in, Jude, in Judaism we always remember everything is just pure simple unity. There's no separations and pieces. We don't believe in a God that's sliced in pieces. It's one God but in this particular projection he is projecting and manifesting, that's the idea, in a created, not in his, not in his transcendental, infinite self, he's manifesting in a more create, create, creation-like existence. Assuming the role and identity of his legions below the Jewish people. And that's the reason why it's a name because it's referring to God, but it's erasable. The rabbis, we have to say, who argue Rabbi Yaisi, hold that, no, that even the name Tzavokos, since it's Hashem himself that's in it, it's, it's, uner, it's so holy that it's an unerasable name of God. Okay. Now that we get this understanding. So now let's take this now and see how we find the same idea. So what we have, we have over here two things about the name Tzavakos. Number one is that prophets were revealed because that's what, because it's a name of God that relates to prophets because that's what prophecy is all about. This descent of God into the human experience, just like a prophet is essentially receiving input from God, but it's descending into the realm of, of, of the created mind of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a human mind of a prophet. So the name of Tzavokos and, the, and prophecy in general go hand in hand. As opposed to the other names of God are more lined up with Torah, which Torah is a completely divine doctrine, without the limitations and translations into created language. Although, Moshe, although it was given to us within created language, but it remains forever and it is, it, 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 it contains within it the infinite, unknowable. So now, let's see how that manifests in one more concept regarding the name Tzavakos. So I mentioned at the beginning of the class that um, in, there's one more very important idea about the name Tzavakos. This is, this is mainly, it says over here, that Moses, in, in, in Moshe, says to Hashem in Parsha Shemos, what's your name? In the first conversation by the burning bush, Moshe says to Hashem, what's your name? So God, in the Midrash Rabbah, Parsha Shemos, Pereg, Pereg Gimel, Parsha Gimel, um, um, Se'iv Vav, on the words, Vayoyim Moshe Lekim, what's your name? So it says like this, I'm called according to my actions. At times I'm called Kale Shakai. 
B'tzvakos, sometimes I'm called Tzvakos. Ba'elokim, sometimes I'm called Elokim. Ba'ashem, I'm sometimes called Yud Kevavkei. Kishani Dona Sabriya, so he explains. And God says, depends. I don't have a name. I have a name based on what, what kind of energy flow I'm projecting. Kishani Dona Sabriya, when I judge the creations, Ani Nikra Elokim, I'm called Elokim, I'm the judge. Kishani Oysamochama Berishayim, when I am fighting the wicked, Ani Nikra Tzavakos. I am called Tzavakos. Kishani Toila Ochatav, Shal Adam, when I forgive someone, Ani Nikra Kel Shakai. I'm called Kel Shakai because I have, an, I have patience and I extend and give. I have like tolerance. Kishani Merachem Al Alami, when I have mercy and compassion on the world, Ani Nikra Havaya. Yudke Vavke is the name of compassion. That's the that's the mainly the idea of the medrash. So, what you see over here is an interesting thing. In this reading of this medrash, that God's names. So, because one can argue and say, based on this, all the other names of God, we just gave a whole thing that when God is kind of <laughs> interacting with the world, lowering Himself down, entering in the sphere of 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 relationship with, with the world and being like part of the system. He is called, uh, that, and that's the name Tzavakos, and therefore it's not a holy name. Well, we just said everything else, all the other names aren't, seem to be also only in conjunction with him becoming a role player within creation, like having compassion on the creation. God himself is infinitely beyond the creation, infinitely beyond compassion on the creation. God himself is infinitely beyond, uh, uh, um, what did he say over there, um, you know, uh, judging the creation on his own, unless he lowers himself down. So how is it different then? What's the fundamental difference? So the Rebbe says something really, you know, interesting. Really, he says, see, all the other things which God is doing, He's, he's judging the world. He's feeding the world. He's, uh, he's being compassionate to the world. In all these things, he is infinitely high. The world, meaning his role, yeah, it's a role. It's a role in relationship to the world, but it's a role that doesn't put the world, that doesn't kind of make him consider him as part of the system. He's above the system, and he's affecting the system. He's affecting the creation. He is the all-merciful one, bringing mercy onto his creations. He is the all-forgiving um, one, forgiving the creation. He is the compassion, right? Oh, whatever, whatever we said earlier. He's judging the creation. But then there's, there's one thing that, but when it comes to the name Tzavakos, what does it say? When he's waging war against the wicked. The idea of waging a war against the wicked is kind of pitting him against the wicked, or rather positioning the wicked as an opposition to him. And now there's, when, you, when there's a war, there are two sides in the battle. Now what do you mean? God, <laughs> who's fighting God? He's waging war, there's like two sides. It's all, you know, he's, he's God, controls everything, overrides everything. And therefore, he suspends and silences everything, subdues everything. So, so what kind of... No, he enters into a competition. He kind of 
sets himself up as a force of a power in the world versus a dark side and a dark power. And the two are clashing with each other. So Hashem kind of is, is, create, is allowing a creation, or, or, or allowing something in the creation, a power in the creation, to become a force opposing him. That means he's really playing by the rules of the game down here. Because if he is who he is, which he is, God, and he is, and he is he's interacting from his perch, from his high, from his high, high, oh, 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 omnipotent, all-powerful uh, transcendence, then there's no, there's no one, then, 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 then again, he obliterates them in a second, and there's no, there is no, there's no fight, there is no war going on. He's going out to battle. So this particular name is referring to God when God is kind of entering within the, 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 you see, according to the Midrash as well, that only this name from all the other names puts Hashem into the, into the creation as kind of within the garments of creation. He puts on a, 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 a uh, he takes on a persona as a being within the world fighting his enemies. And there is other enemies. Because that's the only one that, re- that, 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 that kind of creates a, a certain equality between him and the other side. Because or else there's no, there's, there isn't a war. You fight an opponent. So therefore, again... I see, we, which we see the same idea coming about. See, according to the Medrash, that the name Tzavakos is a name of God that he's fighting the wicked, this is in the indicating again a certain lowering, the, the, we might call it the inferiority of the name Tzavakos. It means that it's a name of God, but God already in a very diminished, and therefore, oh, so now this is the reason. Rabbi Yossi says, if God is portraying himself, he agrees. It's God. But if God is portraying himself in a way that he has competition and he has an enemy and he has a foe that he has to go fight a war against and there can be a clash between two forces, that's, that word then is not portraying God as a transcendental holy being. Again, why can't you erase the name? You can't erase a name because it's, it's, it's God's name. It has holiness. What does holiness mean? Holiness means above, beyond, outside of the system. The very name itself is positioning him kind of within the system as a force within the world, a force of the ultimate goodness, but yet a force within the world. On the one hand, it's a tremendous humility, more than any other name of God, is the ultimate humility. But still, Sir Rabbi also says it's not a name. It's, I'm sorry, it's a name, but not a name that has holiness. Again, according to our interpretation of our Talmud, that it's a name, just not a name that has holiness, because holiness is only where it's separated. So the, all the other names are names that convey separation. God being God. Although he is relating to the world, but he's relating to the world not compromising his exaltedness. But in the name Tzavakos, he is compromising his exaltedness by setting himself up as a war against an enemy. And the enemies think they can fight him like they think they can do today 
where they think they can fight God. They think they can take over the world. <coughs> and that's the idea of Rai Rabbi Yossi says, the name doesn't have holiness. What do the rabbis say? So how come the rabbis argue? And the rabbis who disagree with Rabbi Yossi say it is one of the names. Halacha is that it is one of the names. And we're now allowed to erase it. Why? Because they say a very, a very great idea. And their opinion is that the name... If you look at the actualization of the name Tzvakos, you're right. God is presenting himself as a, as a, that he is part of the legions in the battlefield of goodness fighting the bad guys. And it's good guys versus the bad guys. But what's motivating the fight? What's motivating going out to war? The pnimius, the inner dimension of it is... God wants to win. A desire to be victorious, to win. To win and to subdue a force that stands against him. We know that part of the makeup of our human soul, which is a copy of the divine, because God created man in the image of God, so the essential core features that make up our psyche is derivative and created to be a reflection of these very same features in the divine. One of the core sephirot attributes and powers that we have in our soul is a determination to win. It's called netzach, perseverance, winning. But here's an interesting thing it says, and this is actually connected very much to this Coming Shabbos, in which we're commemorating, we're celebrating Yutshvat. Yutshvat is the um, yard site of the previous Chabad Rebbe and the inauguration of the Rebbe. And I put some videos out about, up, uh, uh, on our website about it. You should uh, have a chance to listen. But over there, there's a discourse that the previous Chabad Rebbe left in which he discussed, and especially the one, the chapter that's associated with this year's, which I'm not going to go into right now, that every year we study a different chapter. And this year's chapter talks about the quality of Netzach. And it says over there an interesting thing. It says that regular people, ordinary people, don't really um, experience this, this notion of winning. Of course, it always feels good to win, you know? You're playing ping pong uh, with someone, you want to win the, the match. You're playing ear hockey. My wife knows that when she goes with me to, you know, if we ever go to these, take the kids sometimes to the... To, the, to these, uh, what do they call these game rooms, you know, I have all these games. So I'll play with her ear hockey. So she knows I take it very seriously, I have to win. She usually beats me, but still she knows that, you know, she, she lets herself lose so that she knows it's for my male ego that I have to win. So we all have this, this notion that we have to, you know, sometimes we want to win an argument, we want to think, but you know what? If, 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 you know, if we didn't have the last word, if we didn't, you know, if someone has, as, as, you know, so we wanted it, you know, the air conditioner on, someone wanted it off, we might put up a five for five minutes when we see this person as a nasty person and they're not going to stop. So we let go and let them have it, you know, I'm not going to, how many to fight forever? Right. Then you have some people that are fighters, but even people that are fighters, it's a limit to, to what they're going to do. The higher a person is, the more of an elevated human being, the more important they are. Now I'm talking over here, 
ego or something like that, but they're, you know, they have a higher position, they're in a higher place. The more important it is for them to win. But the real power of Netzach, of perseverance and winning, and ultimate determination that they're going to see it through to the end, to the point, and the main energy becomes defeat any opposition. Anybody that stands in my way, I'm defeating, 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 crushing it, it will not exist, is by a king. You mess with a king. A king goes to war, and a king, when he goes to war, it's an all-out. Especially, there's two types of war, he explains. There's wars in which a person is fighting. Kings go to war because they want to increase their territory. Not, it, it wasn't provoked by someone defying them. It was provoked because they wanted, they needed some more resources. And therefore they go to war. So then it's a war that's measured. You know, it's how much are you going to invest in the war? You're going to kind of estimate your, your, your power, your strength, your, your military might, and your financial abilities, and so on and so forth. And then you're going to choose to go to the war. And only, you're only going to go in. And if you see that the, 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 the operation is not really working out that well, you'll pull back. And fine. You'll make a ceasefire. Or concede. Or whatever it is. Because it's not, it wasn't about someone defying you. But if the entire world was provoked by someone challenging your, your authority or your kingship or your thing, that reaches the very, very core essence and core, core, core of your inner, inner being and drives you to the point that kings would literally throw everything into the battlefield. So much so that they would go into their hidden treasures things that are there for, for generations and generations, never touched. You know, jewels and national, national archives. The king is, it's so precious to him. This is like sometimes he can have it from his ancestors, many, many generations. No one would ever, wouldn't dare ever think of opening up and using that. But if the question is that he has to feed his armies and there's a question of winning this battle and it takes even emptying those coffers, coffers and, and so the words the previous Chabad Rebbe says, is that he squanders it. He doesn't just, he doesn't give it controlled because it's so, it's burning in him in, su in such a deep way. Why? Because the power of victory reaches into the essence of one's soul. It touches a person in the deepest place. People that are regal, specialty, special royalty, and they must win. They'll go so far, even give their lives. So, risk their life, go into the battlefield, even if it means risking their very life because it's touching them even in a deeper place than their life. Because life is an expression of your soul into your body. This is provoking the very soul itself, the very essence of the you by a king in a battle. And it applies to God as well. And that is for the victory of good over evil. For the victory, for whatever reason, God set it up that, that evil has power. That the other side, the dark side has power. But it's not meant to, that power is, needs to be defeated. And therefore, so even though the name Tzavakos on externally seems to be registering on a very low level of God, where God sets himself up, not in a way that he is above the creation, but he's even, even Stephen, so to speak, and can fight a battle. So it's kind of, in a way, a very humble name of God. That's external. Internal, what's the reason for this setting up that he battles them and fights them? Is because of the moment of victory. And the destruct. Now, we don't understand how does that, why would God need something? It doesn't need for whatever reason, but that's just the way, that, that's just the way it is. The ultimate decimation and, and, and eradication. 
and the triumph of goodness over evil, and evil is gone forever. As it says, when Mashiach will come, when, which is now, the spirit of impurity will forever be wiped out from the earth. That final battle, <laughs> that final battle, is rooted in the very essence of God. And therefore, yes, the name Tzavakos is the deepest name. It's, it's registering and emanating. So, in other words, what we're, don't look at the externality of it as God sets himself up as a power within the world to fight the other side. In a sense, allowing them to become so strong thinking that they can fight God. Yeah, that's very superficial. Externally, it's the victory, which, which better believe is, is rooted in the infinity and in the absolute essence of Hashem. And that's why we know who's going to win this battle. And that's why we know that it's going to be good. Hashem HaNitzachin, Hashem HaYeshua. So that's the name, that's the power of the, of the, of the name Nitzachin. So therefore they say, yeah, of course it's a holy name. So now we go back to the beginning of the class. We asked, why do the Jewish people, why are the Jewish people um, called, when they go out of Egypt, why is it that we get an identity of legions of tzvakos? So now, and we said it has to be that it expresses something about the core value of Israel at that point when we became a nation. And the reason for that is like this. Since we're now explaining that the name Tzavakos is this amazing um, unification between God and his creations, that Hashem assimilates himself just we spoke about prophecy. The prophet reveals it because, first of all, it's like the same idea of prophecy. Prophecy is God communicating and, tra and transmitting divinity into a human language and into a human experience. And that the pro obviously not everybody can receive prophecy. Very few individuals are, are on that level of purification and elevation that they can kind of like become that godliness and a, a divine projection can be assimilated into them and they become godly people. They're not divine, but they become godly people, holy people, giving over holy, godly ideas. It's that blend, that, trans, that, 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 that um, um, infusion. Um, and, and that's why they named the name Tzavakos, because the name Tzavakos is, again, as we said earlier, the name Tzavakos is God calling himself in the name of Israel, because he's joining and integrating and assimilating himself into the Jewish people. Similar like we spoke by war also. He's lowering himself down into the, 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 the framework of a, of, a, of a warrior fighting. Uh, so again, it's an, it's an assimilation into the, into the creation um, uh, uh, definition, so to speak. So now we'll understand why the Jewish people are called, because uh, are called Tzavakos. Because when we went out of Egypt, the Jewish people became that receptacle to be able to, just like a prophet is a receptacle for the divine to merge with them, the Jewish people became a receptacle from now and onward to be the recipients and the facilitators, that's the point, facilitators of the divine within this world. It doesn't mean just that God gets certain godly messages through them. It means that he 
assimilates these messages. He assimilates himself and his godliness into each and every one of us. And that happened, for that, we needed to be molded. And that's why we were in Egypt for 210 years. When you want to mold a vessel, we had to come out completely. See, before that, we had, we, the Rambam describes the Jewish people as children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as, as a nation that knew God. Even when we went down to Mitzrayim, we, we were a nation that knew God. We had a relationship, we knew of Him. But we were still created beings, knowing, created, limited beings, having somewhat of a knowledge and somewhat of an understanding of a supreme, infinite being. God wanted a much greater intimacy with us. He wanted to like kind of merge his mind into our mind, his emotions into our emotions, his, his characteristics into us, that we should become the vessels and the containers to be able to facilitate this godliness. In other words, for us to become a mishkan, for us to become a dwelling place, a faculty for God. Now when you want to change something fundamentally, we need it to be just like when you make a vessel, you put it in to an oven, you put it into a, what do they call it? Um, these, 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 uh, a kiln or whatever they call it, I uh, forgot the word, in which they, in which they you know, for, forge and form a pot. The Jewish people were, Bakur Habarzel, were in this metal oven. And this is which changed us fundamentally. We went out of Egypt, we were called Tzavakos, because Tzavakos is that name of this blend. And therefore, what did we, where do we see that we become, the Jewish people became now facilitators? Well, at the sea, it says that a made woman, that the Jewish people, even a made woman of Israel, was in such a high level that they perceived and understood and experienced what the greatest prophets didn't experience. That means that at the splitting of the sea, we all experienced prophecy. What is prophecy? This integration and this assimilation. By the splitting of the sea, however, it was just for a short period. It didn't last. Then we went to the, receive the Torah, and then we became far more embedded with godliness and with godly experience on a much deeper, more powerful level. And then we spent 40 years in the desert until Moshe Rabbeinu says to the Jewish people at the 40th year, God has not given you a, a heart to know, eyes to see, and ears to hear until today, because you, 40 years you spent marinating in godliness in the desert, studying Torah, and re becoming so purified and so refined in that very spiritual existence during the time in the sojourn in the desert, that you're now a completed vessel. And that's what it means we have a different heart. We have a heart that can receive godliness. We have eyes that can see the divine. We have ears that can hear the divine. And in general, we the Jewish people become a mishkan, a home, a facility for God. And that's the name Tzavakos, and that's why we're called Tzavakos. So again, it's much more than just the mission of, 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 uh, of, of clearing out the evil, cleaning the mines, and clearing out the, the, the garbage. It's much deeper than that. We are the facilitators of the divine in this world, the integrators of Hashem into this world. And eventually, for all of humanity, for the entire world, as it's going to be when Mashiach comes, where this is going to be fulfilled in the highest level, that each and every one of us will be completely integrated and assimilated and a conduit and a, and a, and a, and a translator of God into human experience to a certain point where the human and the divine merge completely together, and which is the, the incredible experience of the days of Mashiach. 
So may we already see the great victory. May we all already see and experience this oneness and this union to its fullest. May we see big miracles. Now.